there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. Summon the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the Ark of the Lord. To the people he said, Go forward and march around the city. Have the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. As Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets, with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. The rear guard came after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. To the people, Joshua gave this command. You shall not shout or let your voice be heard, nor shall you utter a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So the ark of the Lord went round the city, circling it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord passed on, blowing the trumpets continually. The armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. On the second day, they marched around the city once and then returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at dawn and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers we sent. As for you, keep away from the things devoted to destruction so as not to covet and take any of the devoted things that make the camp of Israel an object of destruction, bringing trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout, and the wall fell flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. They burned down the city and everything in it, Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord remain. But Rahab the prostitute with her her family and all who belong to her, Joshua spared. Her family has lived in Israel ever since. 
for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. So uh, we have been in a sermon series um, while being outside. It, it kind of starts to feel not as connected when you're not um, in one place the whole time. I, I realize that. But if you have been following along, we've been in a sermon series called Flip the Script, where we I kind of asked around a little bit trying to figure out what are those core stories from the Bible that you remember, even if you don't remember them right, <laughs> that you remember from childhood or just in, from culture in general. You're pretty sure like that has to do with the Bible, but it's it kind of become larger than life, you know? Um, so we have, so far we have done um, Noah's Ark, right? Um, the, the, the famous story of um, a genocide that somehow became um, the story for nurseries everywhere, right? <laughs> um, Noah's Ark. Then we did Father Abraham. Um, my Noah of Abraham, and I think I asked. I, I figured my husband was a good um, gauge for like which stories to do because if you ask Chris, uh, he generally knew something, and it wasn't always perfectly right, but it was right enough for me to know what he was talking about. So um, he he'd say the one the, the one who killed his son. Or the one that was almost, okay, I know, I know who you're talking about. He didn't actually kill his son. Did you not know that part of the story? Um, so Abraham. Um, then after that, we did, um, uh, what did we do? Brett, keep me. Moses. Moses, thank you. Yes. Then after that, we did Moses um, and the parting of the Red Sea. Um, I feel like there was one right before that, though. Oh, um, Joseph, yes. So we did Joseph and that Technicolor dream coat. That's the one that kind of hit culture in the 70s in a really weird way. Somebody decided we wanted to make a musical um, and, and, and wanted also to say that this coat was going to be rainbow colors and Technicolors, and it doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptural text. Um, so we've been through these stories, and today we get to, um, I would say, if you, did, did anybody grow up on VeggieTales or ever watch any VeggieTales? Yeah, this is the, like, this song came from VeggieTales. This was the, the, the Veggie Tales story. Um, and I don't think I ever knew anything about it besides I remember somebody blew, they blew something and then a wall fell down, right? Maybe that's all you knew. Maybe they never heard this story before at all. Um, it is the one out of all these uh, that does not appear in um, what we call the lectionary. So that's it's crazy when a story that's that big and that kind of larger than life that's taken a, a life of its own in other worlds has been left out for many churches from what they read on Sunday mornings ever. So it's possible if you grew up in, a, in that part of the church, um, in a world that uses the lectionary, you may not have ever heard this. And that's cool too. Um, so here's the story. And this is, my, this is the story that I would say, um, I'm gonna tell a few parts of it that you, you, they've hinted to, but you're gonna get more of it now. Joshua has led the army of Israel to the threshold of the promised land. That's where this is picking up, right? Led, led them to the threshold of the promised land, and these two spies are sent into Jericho to figure out the situation. And as soldiers often do, as you know, people often do, they end up at Rahab the prostitute's place. Pretty sure that's not where they were sent to begin with, but they end up there um, in this particular area of town. And the king gets word that there are these spies in Jericho. And so he sends messengers to seize the spies 
And as they move through the town, going door to door to find these spies that the king has heard about, they go to Rahab's house, as they go to every house. And Rahab, she, they inquire about her knowledge of these spies. Has she seen the spies in town? And, and she doesn't just say she has not seen them. She creates this whole story to throw them off the trail, even. You, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, I saw these two Jewish boys. They just, you know, they ran through the gate up there. And if you, if you go, you can, like, catch them now. Go, run, if you run along, you might be able to find them. Uh, and so the king's men rush off to go find these spies that are not in that direction, and while Madam Rahab secretly hides the Israelites, these, these spies on her roof. And upon returning to check on the spies, she tells them, she tells them something that they were probably quite amazed by. She says, I've actually, I've heard about your God. Like, I've, I've, I'll, I'll tell you the whole scoop here of why I'm hiding you. Like, I have heard about the mighty works of your God. I don't know how, but I've heard about it. And I kind of believe it. And then she professes these words. The Lord your God is who is God in heaven above and earth below. She knows why they've come. How does she know? And she desires, all she desires, all she wants to ask for now is that the Israelites would, would show her family mercy when the walls come tumbling down. In the cover of night, she, she lets them down by a rope, it says, and then she ties this scarlet ribbon, this scarlet thread in her window. And it's supposed to be the sign when, when all of Israel comes back. Not just, these two spies know her, but the rest, who, who is she to them? It's supposed to be the sign when they come back to spare her, to protect her, to give her family mercy. And they do. And so as you, as you heard it today, it was read um, as uh, Joshua and his army finally enter the city and Rahab's whole household, marked by this scarlet thread, are spared um, as they level Jericho. It's an epic story, and only one person is spared. A person um, that had a unique role in this story, but she's also Rahab. She's, she's Rahab the prostitute, the woman who put the red thread on her window in the red light district of town. She's also a liar as this text shows, seemed to be pretty good at it, a pretty good liar at that. She's one of those seedy sort of characters in the Bible, and, it, and Scripture says she's a saint. And we know that she's not alone in her seediness, right? Like, there's drunken, naked Noah, and there's Abraham with his super dysfunctional family. And there's like manipulative, conniving Sarah. And there's murderer Moses, jealous Moses, 
What's worse, lustful murderer David? There's bigoted Paul. You've got, we've got quite a lot of those seedy folks throughout the Bible. It seems that, that people like these can be saints. And if people like these can be saints, then, like, then it seems like just anyone can be a saint, right? Setting aside the battle and the horns and the walls tumbling down, this story seems to tell us something about who can be a saint. Israel is, is called a nation of saints, a holy people chosen to be a people for God's use out of all the peoples of the whole world. Out of all the peoples, why choose Israel? Out of all the people in Jericho, why choose Rahab? Perhaps God chooses Israel because Israel was more religious than other nations, more pious. Perhaps that's why you chose your saints today. But scripture makes it clear that that's not why Israel was chosen. It actually gives it just a really simple, really simple reason. It's explained in Deuteronomy, totally different area, but we're going to look at it. It was not because you were more in number, Israel. I need to get not, a little further away from these candles. Um, <laughs> it was not because you were more in number, Israel, than any other people. Insert whatever other thing we think makes somebody great. It was not because you were more righteous, Israel, than any other people. It was not because you had the largest army, Israel, out of every other people. Whatever you think that is. Um, it's not because you had the largest family. No, the Lord set God's love upon you and chose you, even though you were the fewest of peoples, not super righteous either, because the Lord loves you. Tell me something like, what do we know about God? Like, what's the general thing we say about, like, God and people and all people? That God loves them, right? Um, it's this weird way we get to who a saint is. And we've been, maybe we've heard it differently. I mean, maybe you grew up in a tradition where, where saints um, were particular people, like a particular set of, they had to have done something extraordinary. It explains in Deuteronomy that all it is is that God loves them. And it was out of love that God chose Israel. And, and the biblical writers, they bend over backwards over and over again through the rest of the Bible to help us, help get this through to us. To get us to understand that God's choosing of Israel was not due to any achievement on Israel's part. They did nothing to deserve it. Often Israel played the prostitute, right? Living in waywardness and infidelity towards God and idolatry and pride. Oh, all the pride of Israel. And, and these were only among a few of their sins the sins charged to Israel's account. Whatever is meant by a people holy to the Lord then, that I shall make a people holy to the Lord, it seems that it means something other than what we think that means. Something other than pure 
and spotless and righteous, all these words we would use as synonymous with holy. If they're to be a people holy to the Lord, but they are just an ordinary, sinful people, then what on earth does holy mean, and what, does a, what is even a saint? A biblical saint is not a, is not a nation or a person who lives some kind of virtuous life. Saintliness instead seems to be about what God can do with people. A person is only called saint in the Bible because God wants that person to do something holy, not be holy. Saints are people who are called by God to do God's work. Um, A theologian, Karl Barth, says that a person is sanctified in the Bible, holy, set apart in the Bible, when a person is dedicated to the service of God. That's all the requirement is. So that's what happened to Rahab, right? Notice I've not even talked about Joshua. Um, this story, I think, tells us something about who a saint is. On a typical day, going about her typical business in the world's oldest profession, Rahab gets commandeered and claimed by God, is dedicated commandeered to do the service of God out of, out, of, out of nowhere. And the New Testament confirms this, this definition of saints too. Like, here's what the writer of Peter says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Who are they talking to? They're talking, Peter's talking to the church at this point. That you may declare the deeds of him who called you out of darkness and into a marvelous light. There's, New Testament confirms that, that this is, saints are just those who have been commandeered to be on dis, randomly, out of nowhere, in the, world's, in the world's oldest profession, just doing their business, commandeered to put on display God's marvelous light by doing what God called them to do. God wants to make something out of them. Once you were no people, now you are my people. It's, the, it's in the sense that the, the New Testament refers to the whole church then as saints. So you might have heard me say, hey, saints. Um, that's real. Like that, is, that should be the way we view the saints. Like Israel before it, out of a bunch of nobodies, out of a bunch of nobodies. Like we're just, who are we? Out of a bunch of nobodies, come somebodies made saints by God's gracious choice in God's church to just love us. And so on All Saints Day, we remember the saints, um, but let's be sure to remember all of them. And I say all of them, meaning not just all of, all of the saints, all the various people and where they come from, but all of them as a person. Rahab the prostitute in her prostitutioniness. If there's anything Joshua's battle narrative teaches us, it's that what looks like seediness to you and me often looks like potential saintliness to God.
It looks like incredible potential to God. Maybe God passes over the nice, pure people, the ones we regard as so saintly, because nice and pure and sweet people sometimes just can't get the job done. Especially when the jobs which need doing are as tough as the ones that God seems to always be taking on. And so although Rahab Rahab, um, lacked a bit of in the area of acceptable conventional morals, she was a survivor. She, she, wasn't, she wasn't just born yesterday. She had been in, in business long enough to know to take care of her own and therefore proved quite helpful in looking after God's own. And so who, who, who do you think about? Just pause. Who do you think about when you think about your saints or the word saints? Who comes to mind for you? And it's very possible that you think of the absolute just sweetest, most lovely human being. But perhaps you, um, you've left a saint or two out. Or perhaps you've allowed yourself um, to do this thing we all do, to pay tribute to only the acceptable parts of them. Even the sweetest, most wonderful people in our mind's eye. If we think a little harder, and we remember the days that felt a little different, the moments that we care not take with us in their death. Even them, I bet, had some seediness in them. We know this is how saints are made, though. It's, it's that mix, it's that mixed-in seediness, that mixed-in fallen shortness that leads saints to knowing they actually need to be claimed by God. to knowing that they actually need that light. Saints are made in the listening within the seediness, the listening for God and saying yes and trusting God to know how to sort out who ought to be saints and who ought not to be. Rahab was just minding her own business, looking after things in her own place in Jericho when the Lord, through these two frightened spies who somehow wandered into Rahab's house, asked her, to mind God's business instead. And she was a prostitute, and she, through her teeth, said yes, and is so listed on the list of saints. I wonder how many times you've, through your teeth, said yes. And as one of her later kin then says um, to his um, unlikely, ordinary, seedy disciples that he tends to be with, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And so let us today remember the saints, all of them flipping the script a bit 
to remember the odd ones and the young ones and the unlikely ones and the angry ones and the drunk ones and the unsuspecting ones and the Rahabs and all the rest who, who, who listened and said yes and thereby point the way for all of us seedy folks too. Because if they can be saints, anybody can, right? Let's pray. God, we remember all the saints with you today. All the ones um, and all the parts. All the ones and all the parts that are a little bit um, harder to, to, to wrestle with, harder to make sense of, harder to, um, to put on the list of saints. We bring them all to mind. We take a moment even to just pause and bring the ones to mind that may have not come to mind before. Um, we remember them today. We remember those loved ones um, who in, in recent years, whatever is recent, really, right? Because grief is just pervasive. Who have in recent years or many years ago that feels just like yesterday have passed on and have left us feeling um, a, a weight of emotions in this, in this place today. Remember Mrs. Beneva Lee? We remember Joanne Wozniak. We remember Linda Sammons. Bill Lanzer. Billy, Millie Saul. Remember Gordon Avery. Virginia Burgeon. Kim Smith. Remember Oksana Pryor. Peter Anson. Betsy Sherman. We remember Adam. We remember Bob. Bob Bovey. We remember Hazel. Guys, we also remember those people who have paved the way of faith for us, the people who said yes through their teeth. 
or said yes willingly. We remember Nancy Lansing. Rebecca Harrison. We remember Michael. We remember George Binsky, Ruth Binsky. Marty Dressler. We remember Louise Sammons. Mary Porter. Linda Beecham. And Bob Beecham. We remember Anton Vanterpool Sr. And Ilva Vanterpool. We remember Pete and Dorothy Ferreira. Joe and Grace Sapioti. David and Phyllis Seidelman, Seidelson. Ann and Paul Price. We remember Bart Sammons. And Autumn Grace Hughes. We remember James Truitt. And God, we also hold before you now all those other names that have been lifted up. Maybe not here on this, in this particular way, but maybe they've been lifted up um, today. Comments on Facebook, on Instagram, um, people speaking them aloud, typing them in the feed this morning right now for this service. We remember them all, and we ring a bell for all of them collectively now. And we also remember all those who are um, currently going through themselves or with a loved one that, that weight that suspension between life and death that happens in illness with impending death. That space where death just seems to be on your mind every day. We lift them up to. And with all the saints, with all these named, with all these saints here in our seediness and theirs, we pray that prayer we need to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you.